as the kids are dismissed. How many of you in your life have met someone and you go, man, we just click? A few years ago, I met a pastor and we just clicked. We are the same age. We got married the same year. We graduated high school the same time. We were like identical twins. So I want Maurice Golston to come up here, Pastor Maurice. Now, if you look at us, we're not identical twins. But we're but this is my road dog, Pastor Maurice. We uh, he was my roommate in Israel. But we've been knowing each other for a hot minute, and I want him just to uh, pray for us as we begin this message. Anything you want to say, you know, within bounds. Okay. Okay. All right. Don't give away any of the secrets. Okay. Uh, you know, what happens in Israel stays in Israel, that type of thing, right? <laughs> so we literally, I remember we went into this uh, market across from our hotel, and we began to share this story with two young ladies who we thought were sisters. And it's like, this is my brother. She's like, nah, not really. I was like, no, really, this is my brother. We're, we're twins. Not identical, of course, but twins nevertheless. They thought it was great. So, yeah, so we got into a lot of trouble, and Jesus got us, got us out of all of it when we were in Israel. It was a, a phenomenal trip, and we've known each other for a little, maybe a little over four years now, and he holds this congregation deep in his heart. I have prayed for you. This is the first time I had an opportunity to actually be here and connect with you, and I'm looking forward to connecting with uh, many of you as we're here. But I just want to pray over this message that uh, he's going to uh, share with us. One of the things about um, going to Israel that was really impactful for me is that it just added a dimension to the Word of God. It, it, there, it's, it's more three-dimensional now to me because it's like I've seen the places where Jesus walked. And um, one of the things that they, uh, they do, there's this uh, order called the Franciscan Order. And wherever uh, something significant that took place in the Bible happens, they will buy that land and they'll build churches. And there's this one church uh, that commemorates uh, when the message came to, when the angel Gabriel appeared to uh, Mary and told her that she was going to bring forth the Savior of the world. And uh, there was something um, about that church, and there's something about being there where, uh, because they built the church over her, her parents' house. And I remember me and Pastor Cleet standing in the back of the church, and, you know, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of people coming to visit. Uh, and they, they had this, uh, this uh, I think it was a, like a noon mask, and it started up. But one of the things, we were in the back of the church, and we're just sitting there, and we were just reflecting on the fact that the most influential message to ever enter into planet Earth happened in the space that we were right now. The announcement that Jesus Christ was going to come into the world. And this is little 13 or 14-year-old girl was the one who God delivered that message to. And one of the things that um, she, one of the, 
things that really struck me is how she responded to that word. She said, Lord, let your word be according to, let, let your word come forth according to your will. And as you minister today, and as we hear the word of God today, I want us to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God with that same spirit, with that same passion that that little girl, knowing that it could very well, the message that she had received could very well have cost her her life. Because how many of you know for someone to be betrothed to another person and to find themselves pregnant, that her community by law could have stoned her to death. I just want God to rejuvenate our willingness to die for the gospel, for his word. Father God, I thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you called us, Lord God, to die to self. That this word, Lord God, that is about to come forth, Lord God, that that it challenges us and it transforms the, those parts and those places in our lives, Lord God, that we have not yet given over to you. Lord God, I, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, that you have prepared Pastor Cleese's heart and you prepared his mind to deliver this word, Lord God. But the Holy Spirit, Lord God, the Holy Spirit of truth is speaking to us this morning. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is going to share with us this morning, Lord God. And, and let us prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord God, to, to allow us to be transformed. Let us, like the mother of Jesus, Lord God, receive your word, Lord God. And, 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 and whatever our plans and our agendas were for our lives or our days or, or the days to come, Lord God, let them be disrupted by the Spirit of God so that we, Lord God, may be your beloved sons and daughters in whom you are well pleased. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Maurice. Give a pastor a mic and he's going to go for days, isn't he? Thank you for those words. Chantel, it's great having you here. It's good to see you, Skyler, and I, I won't, yeah, Solomon, okay, I almost said Maurice Jr., <laughs> but I'm sure you get that, so glad to have you guys here today. Well, would you turn in the book of Proverbs to chapter 6, and we're going to go from 20 through the end there, we're going to hit chapter 7 through the end of that. Now, this is a big portion of scripture to wrap our mind around. And this is written by Solomon to his son. So this is a father to a son through the Holy Spirit's instruction and inspiration. But before I get to the passage today, I really want to uh, tell us what we need to do with this. How many of you have heard of the Shema? Probably most of us. Deuteronomy 6 is a Shema. And I want to read that for us. And part of what happens in the Shema, it starts out with, Hear, 
or listen in different translation. And as Pastor Mauricio said, we need to hear or listen. And so that doesn't mean words just come in and we don't do anything with them. What that means is what we hear today, what we listen to today, actually has feet in what we do tomorrow. And so that's what part of the Shema is talking about. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in the house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. When we were in Jerusalem at the Western Wall, or what they call the Wailing Wall, we saw a lot of Jews that had these, I guess they call them a phylactery or something around their arms, and they had them really tight. It looked like the the blood was cutting off the, the circulation. And then they had these wooden boxes on their heads. And so they get this from this passage of Scripture. Are they actually living it out, though? And that's what I want to talk to us about today is are we living out what we're hearing or what we are are listening to? See, this was a pledge or a pledge of allegiance, if you want to say, or or a prayer that these people prayed a couple times a day. They would pray this to put it in the forefront of their mind, kind of ratify their mind every day that my God is one God. And I'm going to listen to what He says and obey what He commands. You see, today, we have a lot of different information coming at us. We're hearing a lot of different things. It's a little different today because we are multicultural. We're a society that gets all kinds of information via the internet. Back then, they didn't have Fox News or CNN. They didn't have uh, Oprah or Joe Rogan to listen to on podcasts or TV. They didn't have the view to break down what happening in society. They had just a few voices that had authority and that typically was the high priest. So they listened to them. Today we have a million voices coming at us. But are they the authority that we should be listening to? When ancient people heard something, typically it was from an authority structure. An authority structure. We don't have that same today. We have what's called influencers. And truly, they are influencing because we see it worked out in how we listen to them and what we think. Sound bites. You see, I love the internet, and I listen to authorities. Matter of fact, I'm an authority. I have WebMD. I am a doctor. Right, Dr. Haber? I am a doctor. Matter of fact, I fancy myself as a doctor. I don't take my kids to the doctor. I bind the wounds. They crack their heads open. I shave the head. I put butterfly bandages If I don't see blood, there's nothing that really happened. 
I have done this most of their life. Matter of fact, I have not been to the doctor since 2006 myself because I'm a doctor. Why do I need to go to a doctor? It's that type of thinking, though, that gets us in trouble because I'm really not a doctor. And if I start feeling bad, what do I do? I self-medicate. Maybe not with the best medication for whatever ails me. Or we think we're a car mechanic. We go to YouTube and I can fix almost anything on my car. Now, I might have a few bolts left over at the end because I wasn't following it correctly, but I can get by a little bit. Or we might be a marriage counselor. Or we might be a theologian. So many voices and what people think are being put out there and we are lapping it up. But are they really authoritative? Is it what God has put in front of his people that we should listen to? I dare say 80%, well, that may be low, maybe 90% of YouTube theologians should not be theologians or TikTok theologians or whatever else you may be listening to. We have to listen and hear the authorities that God has put in our place. Have you ever heard of a person say, you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. I remember doing this as a kid. I wanted to do something. Maybe wanted to go to a party. My parents are like, no. The parents are out of town. They've got a daughter your age. No, you're not going to that party. Listen, I'm not going to do anything. Nothing's going to happen. Mom, you're not hearing me. Dad, you're not hearing me. No, they were hearing me, but they were the authority. But a lot of times in our lives, we tell people that you're not listening. You're not hearing me. When in all actuality, those people disagree with us. And maybe they are the authority. And they don't need to listen to us or hear us out. We're going to get into Solomon telling his son some things. And he had every right to tell his son these things because he was the authority. You see, he's asking his son to listen actively and not passively because he knows the information he is going to download to his son is what is going to keep his son out of death's grip. He also knows that temptation is going to come at his way in a million different ways, and preferably, he wants him to live on the path that God has set out. He also knows that his son may not make wisdom choices, but he wants him to listen intently to him. You see, a lot of people can see reality when we can't see it when we're walking on the path. When you're thick into your feelings, it's hard to see the reality of what really is truth when we're feeling one sort of way, but not seeing what truly is happening. We need truth today to take a back seat to our feelings. Excuse me, our feelings to take a back seat to truth. Because typically that's what we do, don't we? We have our, our feelings up front driving. But we need to put them in the back seat today and really hear from God. These temptations on these streets are strong. They will want to trip us up. 
And who are we going to listen to? You see, Solomon had a great father. Who was Solomon's father? David. David was Solomon's father. And listen to what 2 Kings says. Second King, or 1 Kings 2 actually says, David taught Solomon, be strong. Show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. This is David talking to Solomon. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Here is David telling his son, do these things, walk in God's ways, do what you should do with the law of Moses and listen actively. Solomon had a good father, didn't he? He also had a father that was imperfect. How many of you have uh, been charged with murder? Probably not many of you. Well, a few. Um, David wasn't perfect, yet he taught his son the way. But you get to 1 Kings 11, what happens? As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. Now, what, what did he have? How many wives did he have? 700 wives and 300 concubines. Here is a man that his father told him walk in God's ways. Here's a man that is telling his son, walk in God's ways, as Pastor Charles read this morning. And what does he do after he writes this book? He goes and gets 700 wives and 300 concubines. How is that walking in God's ways? What do you think Solomon's son was thinking about his father in those moments? Wow, dad told me what to do, right? But that's not what happened here. Dad's off in the weeds somewhere. He had a good teacher in David. Yet what did he do? He let women, these wives, take his heart far from God. This is what it also says in 1 Kings 11. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. God was going to judge Solomon for what he did and how he lived. He had a great message to his son, but he did not live it out. Solomon wrote another book after the book of Proverbs. It was called Ecclesiastes. And in that book, Solomon says everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Now, most dudes would say, man, 700 wives, boy, that sounds cool. Obviously, it wasn't. One wife is hard enough to please, is it not, men? <laughs> and women, I'm sure it's the same way for you. Those things did not satisfy because he walked away from his father's teaching. Matter of fact, he walked away from his own teaching to go and do what his heart desired. And that was gratification of the flesh with other women. 
At the end of Ecclesiastes, though, he comes back and he says this. Here is the conclusion of the matter. So he gets back in his right mind. He says, this is the conclusion of life. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I have a message for us today that it's not too late. If you have been walking away from God, it's not too late. Solomon did it big time. Matter of fact, he went big or go home, he went big. He went big. But he came back to his senses at the end of his life. God is doing that for us every day. And he can do that for you. You know, God has given us his word that we are to meditate on daily. We are to feed on. It should be the bread of life to us. Are you taking in the word of God, the authority to listen to? Or are you listening to worldly wisdom and worldly promises of what will make you and I happy? You're either listening to worldly wisdom or you're listening to God's wisdom. There's not an in-between. There's not an in-between. And who is influencing you? Well, since this is such a long passage today, I'm going to have three takeaways that I want us to see from this passage. I want to talk really briefly about authority. Wisdom has real authority. Wisdom has real authority. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Solomon is telling his son, I am the authority. Listen to verse 1 and 2 of chapter 7. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. You heard the first part of, or the last part of chapter 6 about the, the woman and what she's after out of the man. Are you getting your wisdom from godly people? Because wisdom has real authority. There's a fake authority that you can hear from that is not of God, but is not authority that we should be listening to. You may like Joe Rogan and his podcast. He's a Bernie bro, loves smoking weed and talking, you know, all kinds of stuff. He's entertaining. Is that where you get your wisdom? Or maybe you're more of an Oprah fan. But there again, she gives some wisdom out that is not godly either, that all roads lead back to God in some way, form, or fashion, and just follow your heart when it comes to that. It doesn't matter where you're getting your influence from, if it is not out of the Word of God, it is manure that we should put on a garden and enjoy the crop after it's on there. You see, a lot of us love wisdom when it comes in the form of entertainment because we want our ears tickled. We want to feel good about what we are hearing. And so we use entertainment as a form of wisdom for us when it is not 
There's all kinds of entertainment that is bringing wisdom to our ears that we are listening to. Anywhere from TV shows to internet podcasts to all kinds of areas. But where does God say to get true wisdom from? His word. And who has he given the authority to proclaim his word? Pastors and teachers of the church. And if you're not in a local church, I, I implore you, you're here, you didn't hear one today, of course. But if you're not a member and have accountability to a local church, what are you doing? Because that is the authority structure God has put together for each one of us. Wisdom has real authority. Who are you listening to? The second point I want to bring out today is wisdom has real application. Wisdom has real application. We need to properly apply wisdom. Too many of us are sloppy in our application of wisdom. How do we rightly apply wisdom? Well, we're in a society today that we really don't know how to judge because we've been told not to judge. I would say if it walks like a duck, it waddles. If it quacks, if it's got a bill, it's got a tail that, and it poops on everything, it's probably a duck. It's okay to judge. It's a duck. If it's a, a woman that dresses immodestly, and shakes her moneymaker on TikTok, and has a foul mouth, it's probably a, you fill in the blank on the word, since we have children in here. We don't judge rightly. And too many times we're listening to people we shouldn't listen to, and not applying wisdom of how we deal with people. If he says he loves God, yet he's willing to sleep with you outside of marriage, when the Bible strictly says sex is within marriage, should you judge him to be godless in those moments? Yes. Are we applying wisdom of what God says rightly? Listen to what verses 24 on says in our passage, chapter 7. Now then, my sons, listen to me. This is Solomon speaking. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Solomon is saying, if you do not heed my words and you stray into her path, you will find death. Rightly applying wisdom. Solomon is painting a picture of a path that people are going down. It's a walking path. And what happens when you do not apply wisdom correctly, you're going to think you're the special one for her. Oh, she wouldn't be about everybody else, when in reality, she's doing everybody else. You're not special. Godly wisdom would say, leave her alone. Don't go down that path. 
And that's exactly what Solomon was saying to his sons. Don't go down the path of the wicked woman. And you can put this in all kinds of framing of things that have if-then arguments. If you do this, then this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. He says, she is leading you to a slaughter. She is leading you to death. Are we practicing application with godly wisdom? There's some wisdom that is hard to take. Listen to what, what is said in Luke 9. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. How is denying yourself, and a cross was made for dying, life-giving? That's some godly wisdom, though. It's not about you in this life. It's about glorifying your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when it says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, it is life-giving. It's not about your pleasures. But worldly wisdom would say that's wrong. You give in to every pleasure. You give in to your gratification of the flesh. You give in to your sexuality. You give in to all of these things that make you happy. When godly wisdom tells you to do the opposite. Your gratification is not the litmus test to whether something is good or bad. But it is that which is telling you the truth. And the Bible is telling us the truth. We have no other book to go on. This is the only book that we have to tell us what is true and what is false. Your feelings are not that litmus test. And sex is one of those areas that will trip us up. Everything in our societies tells us, gratify your flesh in those areas. To whether it's with whoever you want to have sex with or even changing it. And that is not scriptural. You're headed to death if you believe those things. It's a deadly and dark road that you're walking. There's other applications that we could have about how to apply godly wisdom. I, I think of one that is hard to uh, digest sometimes, but if you have a problem with someone, the Bible says to do what? Go to that person. But what does worldly wisdom say? Put it out there on the internet. Tell somebody else about it. And Bible says go to that person and hopefully you've gained a brother or sister. But that's difficult. Man, I don't want to do that. But if they don't listen to you, then what do you do, the Bible says? You go back with one or two other people so that a testimony can be formed. But worldly wisdom would say, man, now you're just getting, come on, bro. Just cut them out of your life. Be done with them. They don't deserve you. You're better than that. Put up boundaries. But godly wisdom says to go to those people and try to gain a brother, sister, that has offended you or sinned against you. Now, if they don't listen to that testimony, 
Then what does the Bible say to do? Take it to those in authority. And what does it say to do then? Take it to the church so that they will listen to the body. And if they don't listen to the body, what do you treat them like? Tax collector, the Bible says. Or a pagan. How do you do that? That's not what we do. We're Christians. We're to love one another. That stinks. But this is godly wisdom and how we are to apply wisdom. We don't get to make up the rules. We don't get to make up whatever we think will be the best because that becomes worldly wisdom. Are we applying the wisdom of God rightly? And it's hard. It's hard because the Bible tells us to do some things that, man, I don't want to do or that's really awkward or that doesn't feel very good. But the Bible is where we have to get our wisdom from and apply it in a godly manner. You see, if we go with these other worldly wisdoms, it will lead us down a path, but it's a path to death. Now, Pastor Mike got me into deer hunting four years ago. And I have been a changed man. I, lo- I already loved killing things. I'm not a serial killer. Like, I wasn't putting kitties in whatever. But I liked hunting, like squirrel and rabbit and things like that. Well, I got into deer hunting, and one of the ways that is fabulous to hunt deer is put food out, because what person or animal can resist food? None of us, especially as men, but deer too, especially when there's a lot of snow on the ground, and they see or smell some food, what do they do? They kind of lose their mind, and they will come right into there, and guess what you get to do? You get to plow them with a bullet or an arrow. That is some fun stuff. But you know what else works? Now, this works on male deer. There's a time that's called the rut. And the female deer have this little pheromone stuff going on that's in their pee. And you can buy it. Yeah, they sell actual pee that has the scent of a doe. Um, Yeah, you wouldn't want to use it for... Anything but that. But you can put it on a wick and you can put it out. And during what they call the rut, when all the males deer lose their minds, they can smell that and they swear, oh my goodness, there's a doe. And they come right into you if they get a whiff of that. They don't even think about, wait, there could be a hunter. There could be anything. They come right into it. That's the same way if we are not applying wisdom of God that we do. We go into unexpected areas that we should have known was not going to be good and right for us. But you know what we do? We smell something that we like and we go right towards it. What I'm trying to say is we have got to apply biblical Wisdom, And that's what Solomon is trying to get his sons to do. Yet then we see him a few years later going crazy, smelling the 
son of a doe, 700 does, whatever that was. Solomon lays it out like an ox to a slaughter, a deer, an arrow piercing a deer's liver, a bird getting caught in a snare, and it costs them their very life. Last page. Third point. Wisdom has real accountability. Wisdom has real accountability. When we live this life, we need accountability to help us know when we are being led to the slaughter. Because there's sometimes we smell it and I need a brother or sister to go, Cleet, that ain't what you think it is, bro. Get off that path. It's going to lead down some dark and dangerous areas. We need that accountability in our life. But how many times do we really want that accountability? Listen to verse 7. I saw among the simple. This was the woman saying this. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. And how many times is that one of us? We have no sense in that area. Man, that's me a lot of my life. And I needed people to correct me and lovingly say, listen, that's the worldly wisdom. Don't go that path. Come back. Listen to Proverbs 27. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, the buzzword today is, I'm hurt. You've offended me. And we lead with those type things when maybe all a brother and sister is trying to do is help you not go down to slaughter, not go down the path of worldly wisdom so that you led, are led to death. Maybe that's what that person's doing. And maybe the wounds of that person is what leads you back on the right path. But too many times we have hurt that we put out in front of us. And all that shows is that we are emotionally retarded. We have emotionally not been actually up on our game. That we have let our emotions regress. And it's not kept up with who we are. It has been retarded in the way of we have regressed. We are very immature with our emotions so many times when we need accountability, but we call it hurt. Have people wounded you in love? And how did you take it? It's hard. It's hard for somebody to correct us. It's hard for somebody to wound us. Maybe they didn't come at it the right way. Get over it. At least they loved you enough to come at it. But too many times we're immature in our emotions. We don't want the accountability, at least the biblical accountability. The Bible teaches us how to interact with one another. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. If I truly love you and I see you going down the path to hell, should I not warn you? Should I not love you enough to put myself 
at risk of losing that relationship to tell you, bro, don't do this. This is wrong. I can tell you what your future is going to look like. And I don't have a, a round crystal ball in front of me. But all I've got to do is find out who you're listening to and who is your accountability. Because too many of us want accountability that won't keep us accountable. And there's a lot of us out there that hate keeping others accountable. But if we're truly friends, we are willing to do that. Are you doing that for people? And are people doing that for you? Real wisdom has accountability. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you drawn to? Who are you wanting to spend time with? Is it people that will point you back to the Word of God? Or is it people that maybe just sign off on whatever you may be doing? Too many of us want yes men and yes women in our life and not real biblical accountability. Now that doesn't mean that we don't get together with people that are not Christian. How will we win them if we're not around them? Jesus said to be in the world, not of the world. So we need people in our lives that maybe don't think the same way we do. But who is influencing who? Or whom? I don't know what the correct English is, but you get my point. Who is influencing who? So we need to step up our efforts in accountability in our life. And that is what Solomon lacked. One of the wisest men, arguably the wisest man to ever walk the earth was accountability. And I'm sure maybe there was some guys at the beginning that told him, dude, 700 wives, I think you've went, maybe at 20 they told him now. I don't know. But he didn't listen and probably ostracized those people who were trying to tell him the truth. In conclusion, if you do not subscribe to the Bible as the authority in your life, I urge you to do that today. This is the only book that does not contain truth, but is truth. This book tells us how we got here, who we are, who Jesus is, and what's going to happen. We are told that we are sinners in need of a, of a God who will take us back under his wing, because you know what? With Adam and Eve, we were separated from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and we all have sinned here. And the wages will send us to hell. But Jesus made payment on our behalf by dying the death that we deserved. But he rose again, pointing out, I'm not done. I am God of very gods. So you either accept His payment on your behalf or you're going to pay for your sins in hell for eternity. Have you done that? Have you accepted the payment 
of Jesus Christ made on that cross. Because if you hadn't, you will die in your transgressions and sins. And you will pay for those sins on your own. And if you are saved and you do believe this is the Word of God, and you have put your trust in Jesus Christ that what He said He did, He did. What He said He is going to do, He's going to do, which is redeem you. And you haven't been walking in the way of biblical wisdom. It's not too late. Every day is a fresh day of repentance and belief. Repentance and belief. Repentance and belief. That is the hope that Jesus brings is we are never, never too far gone. He will bring us back. But we have to be willing to call out to Him and proclaim Him as our Lord and Savior. I am willing to obey. And that is where that active listening comes into play. Because we could hear the Word of God today and we can hear that we need accountability. We can hear that we need to rightly apply wisdom. And we can hear that we need to listen to the right authority. But if we don't put it into practice, it does no good. Are you willing to hear and listen today of what God has for you? This is not a passive listening. This is an active listening. So I'm going to close now and ask the worship team to come. I'm going to sing a couple songs. But if you have a change of mind about where you've been and you need someone to pray with, we're going to have a prayer team in the back that will pray with you. If you need to maybe rededicate your life to God and say, I need to change I need some accountability. I need some better application. I need to stop listening to the wrong authority. Would you pray with Pastor Charles, myself, I'll be back there. Would you make that stand today that things are going to change today? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, if He is not your Lord, that means He is not your slave master. If He is not your Savior we can walk you through that today because you can put your faith in Jesus Christ today and actually walk in biblical authority. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you. God, we may have it together today. We may be applying it right. We may have the proper authority. We may love accountability. But God, that does not mean tomorrow we want that same thing. We look at Solomon's life, telling his son some great things, God. Yet he married 700 women, had 300 concubines. But God, you brought him back. You didn't let him stay there. So we pray for that hope today of anyone who is not walking in your path, God. They would have today the day of deliverance. God, that they would confess their sin, that the, the pride in their life would roll off and they would walk humbly to you this day. God, I pray for all of us here today that we would be active listeners, not passive, that we would listen to the right authority. God, we need you, Holy Spirit, to do that in our life. I too many times 
get off of my own thinking. So God, we commit this to you today. We know you will work through this message. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we can even have hope today. And in his name we pray these things. Amen.